On today's story session, a tale about a con man who murders an entire town. This is The Golden Egg and the Tailor Who Soon Became Rich. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Story Session is the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be, which, in my opinion, just made them way better. So we're going through the original versions of Grimm's Fairy Tales, story by story. We'll figure out the intended lessons and the actual lessons of each story, and afterwards I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's first tale, titled The Golden Egg. We begin. Once upon a time, there were a couple of poor broom makers, and they had a little sister to support. They had just barely enough to lead a miserable life. Every day, they had to go into the forest to search for brushwood, and later, after they had bound the brooms, the little sister sold them. One time, they went into the forest, and the youngest brother climbed a birch tree and wanted to chop off the branches. All of a sudden, he found a nest and a dark-colored little bird was sitting in it. He could see something glittering between its feathers, and since the little bird didn't fly away and was also not shy, he lifted the bird's wing and found a golden egg. So he took it and climbed down the tree. They were delighted by their discovery and brought it to the goldsmith, who told them that it was genuine gold and gave them money for it. Okay, it's kind of a dick move to just take the bird's egg, but it's been established that they are miserably poor, so I don't blame them. Also, it's a golden egg. I don't know what good that does a bird anyway. It's not like it's going to become a golden bird. Actually, I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe he, if he just kept the egg, would have had a golden bird. Much more valuable, as we have learned in previous stories. The next morning, they went into the forest again and found another golden egg. Alright, the little bird was patient and let them take it just like the first time. It's a pretty cool bird. All this continued for a long time. Why don't they just get... take the bird? The bird is clearly where the money's at. You can get an infinite supply of golden eggs. Just take that bird. Every morning they fetched a golden egg and were soon rich. However, one morning the bird said, From now, the bird can talk? That's a fucking twist. Have they been talking to the bird the entire time? I thought it was just super cool and just sort of hung out and laid back the entire time. All right, the bird's talking now. And it said, From now on, I'm not going to lay any more eggs. But bring me to the goldsmith, and you'll all be fortunate. Pretty vague on the on the outcome there. The broom makers did what she said and brought the bird to the goldsmith. When it was alone with him, the bird sang and said, Whoever eats my heart will soon be king and very smart. Whoever eats my liver, whether young or old, will find each morning a bag full of gold. Okay, well, that's awesome. Just eat both, and then this guy is made. You would be an awesome king if you just get a bag of gold every day. You can help the poor, you can trade with other kingdoms to get whatever you want and forge alliances, and he's literally the goldsmith. So he could do a lot with a bag of gold every day. But he's not hes not a butcher, though, and I would imagine it's kind of difficult to remove or even recognize the liver and the heart of a small bird. 
said the bird was little. So yeah, that's going to be tough. And you don't want to fuck it up because there's a lot at stake here. Just, just eat the whole bird. Just eat the whole bird. That would be the safest way to just make sure you're taking care of everything. But this is giving a lot of power to this random goldsmith, which seemed to be the bird's plan. It said, take me to the goldsmith. He didn't tell, didn't tell the broom makers what was going on here. And this goldsmith now just got super fucking lucky. I mean, what did they say? What did the broom makers say when they gave him the bird? Did they just show up and were like, here, take this bird. And he says, I'm a goldsmith. I don't know what, I don't want a bird. What am I supposed to do with this? And the bird makers are like, the bird said you needed to take it. Something good will happen. Trust us. Just take the fucking bird. And I guess the goldsmith just threw up his hands and said, all right, guys, whatever. You've been bringing me a lot of gold eggs. So I'll do what you want. You've been, you've been good for business. Fine. I'll take the bird. Just put it over there. We continue. When the goldsmith heard that, he called for the two young broom makers and said, let me have the bird and I'll marry your little sister. What? Okay, who the fuck is this guy now? Who is the goldsmith? Suddenly a lot of questions seem very relevant. How old is he? Do he and the little sister know each other and like each other? Because it seemed to indicate that the younger sister was pretty young, right? This guy's a goldsmith. So, seems like a creep. Seems like the goldsmith is a creep. Also, he has the bird already. Didn't they give it to him? They already gave it to him. They don't own it. They found it in a tree. And it's a magic bird who can talk doesn't seem to belong to these broom makers. If anything, the bird owns them. It's been providing for them and giving them gold for a long time now, and now it's giving them orders. So it's kind of their boss, but... Oh well, apparently this goldsmith is hot for the little sister, who... It's unclear what anyone's ages are here, so I don't know if this is creepy or weird, but let's just assume that they're all 30. Everyone in this story is 30. Even the little sister. Everyone's 30. That is what I have to believe to continue this story. The two young men said yes, and the wedding was soon held. Okay, cut to that chase pretty quickly. What did the little sister think about all this? It just says the two young men said yes. Did she know they were getting all the money from these eggs before? If so, maybe she's on board. She's like, all right, well, if the bird says to do it, okay, I'll go along with it. But from her perspective, things are finally going well with her family. And now she's got to leave their new riches and go off with this random goldsmith. Don't know how he's doing or what his deal is. Could be a downgrade. You got to figure a goldsmith is doing okay, though, right? It feels like a luxurious job. Anyway, yet again, as is common in these stories, the woman's thoughts and feelings are not being considered or even addressed. So the wedding was held. We continue. Then the goldsmith said... For my wedding day, I want to eat the bird. So you two roast the bird on a stake, and be careful that you don't ruin it. Then bring it to me when it's done. Why are you outsourcing the preparation of the bird? Do that shit yourself, Goldsmith. There is so much at stake here. You shouldn't let that bird out of his sight. The Goldsmith intended to take out the heart and liver and eat them. The two brothers stood at the fire and turned the spit, and when they kept turning it, and the bird was almost done roasting, a little piece fell out. Hey, said one of the brothers, I've got to try that, and he ate it up. Yep, here we go, here we go. Soon thereafter, another little piece fell out. Why are they just falling out of this body? That's for me, said the other brother, and he tasted it. They had eaten the little heart and the little liver, 
and they had no idea how blessed they were by all this. When the bird had been completely roasted, they carried it to the wedding table. The goldsmith sliced it open and wanted to eat the heart and liver as quickly as possible. But they had both vanished. All at once, he became dreadfully angry and screamed, Who ate the bird's heart and liver? The two brewmakers replied, That must have been us. Two small pieces fell out as we were turning the spit. So we ate them. Again, how did those two pieces just fall out? I feel like that probably is not how it works when you cook a bird. I don't think internal organs just detach and fall out. Also, where were they falling out of? It's all very unclear how they're cooking this thing, but in any event, I was right, and the goldsmith should have cooked it himself. We continue. Well, if you've eaten the heart and liver, then you can keep your sister. And in his rage, he chased them all away. Okay, now there's a dash, and in parentheses it says fragment, indicating this is a fragment of a story. Fragment? So this one's not even finished? What happened here? Brothers Grimm? Did they just get this from a manuscript and the second half was destroyed or unreadable or something? And they're like, eh, throw it in there. We need a couple more pages. Did they just get this story from someone telling them, but then the lady who was telling them got distracted and just like wandered off or something? Or they were at a pub and got too drunk and never finished the story? What happened, guys? What happened, Grim bros? Well... In any event, we'll never know what happens now. We just know that the goldsmith was pissed and he chased them all away. I mean, yes, kind of an end. You could end the story there. It's it's not really much of a lesson, but I'm just going to guess that the goldsmith killed them all and nobody got any riches. The end. I'm just going to go ahead and do the next story. I don't want to adapt a fragment. Putting a bow on the golden egg, though, I think the lessons we'll take from it are that You should handle important things yourself and not entrust your entire future to others if you can help it. And the second lesson is that sometimes in life, things end abruptly. There are fragments in life. Start a business or a relationship and expect it to be this big thing that'll last a long time and have many twists and turns and it just ends ends very abruptly for any number of reasons. Business tanks unexpectedly or the person you're dating breaks up with you, can be frustrating and destabilizing, but it is definitely part of life. Fragments happen every day. All right, moving right along to the next story, which is titled, The Tailor Who Soon Became Rich. All right, well, if there's a golden egg at the beginning of the story, then I think we know how we got rich. We begin. Once during the winter, a poor tailor crossed over the field to visit his brother, Along the way, he found a frozen thrush. A thrush. It's a bird, I believe. So here's another story featuring a fucking bird. God, these folktales. These folktales and their birds. It must have been absolutely freezing, though, if there's a bird frozen solid in this field. Where are they? Jesus, we continue. The tailor said to himself, Whatever's bigger than a louse, that's what the tailor carries into his house. All right. So he picked up the thrush and stuck it into his coat. Weird. All right. Well, that motto applies to pretty much everything because a louse is tiny. So I guess this tailor just steals shit. It's the only assumption we can make from that. When he reached his brother's house, 
he decided to look first through the window to see if they were home. It's a little creepy. Wouldn't you knock on the door to see if they were home? Still just looking in the window like a some kind of stalker. All at once, he saw a fat parson sitting near his sister-in-law at the table. All right, I looked it up, and a parson is a member of clergy. So his sister-in-law is hanging out with a fat religious official of some kind. There was a roast and a bottle of wine sitting on the table. Meanwhile, the tailor's brother was about to return home. He knocked at the door and went to enter. From the outside, the tailor saw how the woman quickly hid the parson in a crate, stuck the roast into the oven, and shoved the wine into the bed. Okay, so this tailor is just watching all this go down from the window. and can see everybody, but nobody can see him, I guess. Now, since his brother had entered, the tailor didn't wait any longer. He went into the house and greeted his sister-in-law and his brother. Then he sat down on the crate in which the parson was hiding. Wife, I'm hungry. Do you have anything to eat? The husband asked. No, I'm sorry. There's nothing at all in the house today. But the tailor pulled out his frozen thrush, and the brother cried out, My, what are you doing with that frozen thrush? Hey, the tailor said, don't you know that this thrush is worth a lot of money? It can tell your future and your fortune. All right, I like like where this is going. Well, then let it tell our future and fortune, the brother replied. The tailor placed it next to his ear and said, The thrush told me that there's a dish full of roast meat in the oven. The husband went to the oven and found the roast meat. Shouldn't they have been able to smell that? Roasted meat in an oven? What else did the thrush say to you? The brother asked. (laughs) So his brother is super on board with this magic frozen bird straight away. Also, this this bird is not just telling a future and fortune. It's literally manifesting roast, roast meat, I guess. Pretty gullible brother. I feel sorry for this brother for for multiple reasons now. The thrush said, there's a bottle of wine in the bed. My, the brother exclaimed, I'd like to have this thrush. Sell it to me. (laughs) You can have it if you give me this crate that I'm sitting on. The brother wanted to give it to him right away, but his wife said, no, I'm against it. I'm much too fond of this crate. (laughs) I'm not going to give it away. However, the husband asked, What? Are you dumb or something? Okay, that's a little harsh. What use is this old crate to you? Alright, that's fair enough. A magic bird is much more valuable than a crate. That's why he's asking this. It's a little harsh to, to do the, are you stupid or something. The wife definitely knows that something is up, though. She's probably staring daggers at the tailor like, Fuck you, man. I don't know how you know this, but fuck you. So the husband gave his brother the crate for the bird, and the tailor took the crate on a wheelbarrow and began walking on the road. Along the way, he said, I'm going to take the crate and throw it into the water. I'm going to take the crate and throw it into the water. So I guess he's like chanting this to himself. Finally, the parson began moving inside and said, You know what's in the crate. Let me out, and I'll give you 50 gold coins. All right, I'll do it for that amount. Okay, so I guess the crate is locked from the outside, like a clasp of some kind. 
So he let him out and went home with the money. All right, well, he got paid, but he kind of fucked over his brother. He also didn't tell his brother that his wife was cheating on him, which we have to assume is what was happening since she hid the guy in a crate. You don't do that if you're just hanging out with your buddy or your religious advisor or whatever the hell a parson is. And then he sold his brother the dead bird that very much isn't magic. And I'm sure the brother will immediately discover this. Also, now the brother doesn't have a crate and he let the clergy guy out so he didn't even stop them from having an affair. He basically just figured out a way to extort money out of everyone involved after finding out that his brother's wife was cheating on him. I mean, it's clever, but it's definitely not great from a moral standpoint. (laughs) It's kind of fucking over everyone involved. We continue. The people were puzzled as to where he had earned so much money, and he said, Let me tell you, the skins of animals have become very expensive, so I slaughtered my old cow and received a good deal of money in return. Since the villagers also wanted to profit from this, they went out and cut the throats of all of their oxen, cows, and sheep, and carried the fur and skins to the city, where, however, they received precious little money for them because there suddenly had been so many skins and fur for sale. Ooh, that is very depressing. (laughs) This guy comes up with a lie to cover his ass, and so the whole town just goes nuts and kills all of the animals? Fucking hell. Some of those were probably working animals, too. So now everybody in town is totally screwed, and they've got no means to make a living and just too much cheap fur. Man. Well, the farmers became infuriated about their loss and threw dirt and some other rubbish at the tailor's door. (laughs) However, he put everything into his crate, went to a tavern in the city, and asked the tavern keeper whether he might store the crate at his place for a while, because it contained many valuable things, and the crate wasn't safe at his home. Hmm. The tavern keeper said he'd gladly do it, and let the tailor store the crate at the tavern. Sometime later, the tailor returned and asked for the crate, and when he opened it to see whether everything was in it, he saw that it was full of dirt. So he threw a violent fit, cursed the tavern keeper, and threatened to take him to court. Damn, this tailor is devious. He is just fucking with everyone. What an asshole. In response, the tavern keeper, who was concerned about his reputation and was afraid about his credit rating, willingly gave him 100 gold coins. Credit rating? Was that a thing back then? Was that a thing in olden times? I don't think your credit would have taken a hit here. Buddy, you didn't insure these items. You didn't even look and verify what was inside. So just doing a favor for who you probably thought was a friend. The tailor also wasn't paying for this storage. He's just doing a favor. Damn, so now the tailor got a hundred gold coins. That's double what he got when he extorted that religious guy by threatening to drown him in a crate. This tailor is a monster. The farmers were once again furious that everything that caused problems for the tailor he managed to turn into profit. 
So they took the crate and forced him inside. Ooh, a twist. Then they threw the crate into the river and let it float off. The tailor kept quiet for a while until he came to an edge of land that stuck out into the river. Then he cried out very loudly, No, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it even if the whole world wants it to be done. A shepherd heard his shouting, that's super convenient and also very unlikely, and asked, What is it that you don't want to do? Oh, responded the tailor. It's a very awkward conversation. It's just shouting at this crate that's, that's talking back to him. There's a king who has a foolish whim and insists that whoever's able to swim down the river in this crate is to marry his only daughter. But I've made up my mind not to do it, even if the entire world wants it. What does he mean he's made up his mind not to do it? We know this is a lie, but even if it was true, he's already doing it. He's in the crate. He's going down the river. Fuck is this? Listen, said the shepherd. Is it possible that someone else can replace you in the crate and can get the princess? <sighs> oh yes, that's also possible, said the tailor. Then I'll replace you, said the shepherd. So the tailor stepped out of the crate and the shepherd got in. The tailor closed the crate, and soon after, the shepherd went down under in the crate. Holy shit, okay, he straight up murdered this poor guy. Man, his crimes are really escalating quickly. Why, okay, why did the crate not sink when he was inside, though? Eh, who knows? Gotta be honest, pretty dumb move from the shepherd here. He thinks a king is like, Whoever makes it down the river in this crate can marry my daughter. That's not a thing. That's not impressive. Not at all. Think about this for, for like a minute. Buddy, come on. We continue. Meanwhile, the tailor took the shepherd's entire herd of sheep and drove them home. The farmers wondered how he happened to return. Moreover, they were puzzled that he now had so many sheep. So the tailor explained to them... I had sunk into the water deep, deep down. When I got to the bottom, I found this entire herd and took the sheep back up with me. All right, fuck off, buddy. This makes zero sense. The farmers wanted to fetch some sheep as well, and they all went together to the river. All right, guys. Come on, come on, guys. Is this just a whole town of idiots? Because if so, then it, this is not that impressive. A normal person is like a superhero in a town of idiots. So I, I, don't, I don't know. You can't help these people. You can't help these people at this point. The sky was completely blue on this day with small white clouds. And consequently, when they looked into the water, they cried out, We already see the lambs at the bottom. Uh, all right, just kill these people. Just go on, just kill them. Kill them all. I want to be the first one under, the mayor said. I'll look around, and if everything's all right, I'll call you. <laughs> Good plan. Good plan, mayor. As he dove into the river, the water rustled and murmured. Plump. The others thought that he was calling out to them, jump. So they all jumped in one after the other. In the end, the entire village belonged to the tailor. 
the end. My God. So yeah, everyone in this town is a moron. How do they think that the mayor was calling for them to jump? You can't communicate from underwater, guys. And I guess none of them could swim either? If none of them could swim, how are they planning on getting the sheep out of this river anyway? This is all right. This is a survival of the fittest situation here. Yes, the tailor is a bastard and super malicious and super selfish, but everyone else had such little survival ability and, and critical thinking, and even basic common sense, really, that they were pretty much doomed from the start. They're just waiting for someone like the tailor to come along. What happened to also what happened to the brother and his cheating wife? I guess we can only assume that they also died in the whole there's free sheep under the river massacre. <laughs> Can't even call it a massacre though. It was more of like a mass suicide by stupidity. Ugh. I actually, you know, I actually kind of like this story though. It's got a couple interesting lessons. I think one of the intended lessons is that there are people who will try to trick you for their own benefits or their own financial gain. Every move this guy makes is for his own financial benefit, and he does not care if it affects others negatively. There are totally people like that. And there might be another lesson about letting your greed overpower your good sense or your intelligence because the sheep in the river incident and also the incident where everyone killed other animals because this guy said fur was suddenly super valuable. Both of those happened because the townspeople saw the tailor getting rich and then let their own greed and jealousy and envy blind their good judgment. So maybe there's something about envy leading to your own ruin as as well, because the story made it clear that the townspeople were pissed that this guy was getting so rich. So that also clouded their judgment and led to their demise. I like that. I actually like that. And some other actual lessons. Get, get shit in writing. This is about the tavern owner. The tavern owner letting the tailor store his crate there and then opening and throwing a fit when there's trash inside. Tavern owners got to verify what's in there and they've got to reach some type of insurance agreement at that point. So yeah, get shit in writing. And maybe another actual lesson is that if you're selfish and greedy, you'll end up alone. Because sure, the tailor ends up with the whole town, but literally everyone he knows is dead. What's he what's this guy going to do? He's completely alone in a ghost town. <laughs> that would get old and become extremely lonely pretty damn quick. And also he's basically got nothing else to strive for at this point. If there are other towns, then anytime he crosses paths with anyone else, they're going to think it's super shady and suspicious that this guy is the only one left alive in this town where there used to be a thriving community and way more people, but they've all disappeared mysteriously. The story ends where it ends, but I'll bet things don't just work out swimmingly for the tailor from there. No pun intended with the swimmingly. He probably feels like he feels like a god at that point and might bite off more than he could chew. He, he can't run a town. No one can run the entire town on their own. Everyone in the town serves a function. Now he's got to do everything on his own. And if he ever crosses paths with anyone, they'll know something has gone horribly wrong and he's the only person in this town left alive. They're going to think he's a witch and kill him like, straight away. I mean, all those bodies... Those bodies... All those bodies are going to float down river somewhere, right? The clock is ticking for this guy. So yeah, greed will inevitably lead to a lonely self-destruction. And actually, this one guy's greed led to the entire town's destruction. So yeah, maybe that's a lesson here. 
Greed doesn't just destroy you, it destroys the people around you too. Yikes, that's a, it's a bit bleak. Oh well, alright, let's adapt this thing. So, we've got our protagonist. Damn, I really want to use Ben Schwartz, but I use Ben Schwartz a lot. Fuck it, it's Ben Schwartz. He's too perfect for this one. Too perfect for like a sleazy con man like this. So Ben Schwartz is a very ambitious fellow. It's modern day. Let's make him a tailor, just just like the original. And I love the idea of Ben Schwartz as a super flashy, flamboyant tailor who wears like big, loud suits. And he's a pretty successful tailor, but he's always looking for the next big score. And he's super likable, but also pretty shifty. And one day he goes to visit his brother, who's who's an accountant. And let's say that's played by Will Arnett. And nobody answers the door. And so he looks in through the window and he sees his brother's wife. But she's not having an affair like the original story. He looks in and he sees his brother's wife shoving stacks of cash and jewelry into a black duffel bag. And let's say she's played by Aubrey Plaza. And she doesn't see him though. And then he hears his brother open the front door and announce that he's home. And the wife just shoves the duffel bag full of money and jewels into the oven to hide it. So Ben Schwartz slips back to the front of the house and he knocks on the door. And his brother, Will Arnett, the accountant, is like, I gotta go back to the office. We got a big big bank as a new client. They're idiots. I gotta go over the books. I just, I just need to grab some things from my desk. And so he goes into the next room and Ben is like, oh, I, I was hoping to stay for dinner. Let's, let's lather up a chicken, pop open the oven, get a roast going. You know, it's, oh, this, it's such a nice oven. What model is this thing? And he opens up the oven door and Aubrey Plaza just snaps the oven shut. And Ben's like, what? I can't, can't look at the oven. I'm in the market. And Aubrey's like, it's an oven. You know what ovens look like. And Ben says, yeah, but this one just looks so nice and expensive. Like it would take stacks of cash, maybe some jewelry to afford an oven like this. And Aubrey Plaza realizes that he knows something and gives him a death stare. And Ben just looks at her like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're up to. And then we hear Will Arnett from behind him like, what are you talking about? It's an oven. It doesn't take stacks of cash to buy an oven. Ben's like, yeah, well, I don't cook much, so it's basically magic to me. No idea how expensive they are. My house just came with one, never touched it. And Will Arnett leaves to go back to work. And Ben turns to Aubrey Plaza and says, where's all that cash from? Huh? What are you up to? Aubrey says, I'm starting a jewelry business, okay? And you need a lot of cash to buy the jewelry. So there you go. And the television is on in the other room. And Ben hears them reporting on a jewelry store robbery. And so they lock eyes. And he's like, you're a thief. And she's like, shut up. Don't you dare tell anyone. He's like, no, no, I think you're way cooler now, actually. I've been getting bored selling overpriced suits. I need a new thing. Let's do this. I want in. And she's reluctant. But he basically says he'll tell Will Arnett if she refuses. So they plan a heist where they go to a bank and deposit a bunch of jewelry and get it insured for millions. And then Ben uses his tailor skills to make disguises and perfect replicas of the security uniforms at the bank. And so they go in and they steal their own jewels. And then they wait. For weeks they wait, maybe even months. And then Ben returns to retrieve the jewels. But of course they're not there. So he kicks up a big fuss about how the bank has been robbed and he's been robbed. And since it was only his safe deposit box that was robbed, nobody reported anything or even knew that there was a break-in at all. So the bank doesn't even know what day they were robbed or what security footage to look for. And they don't want Ben to kick up a fuss and yell about being robbed and make it public. So they agree quickly to give him the millions in losses per their insured agreement. And boom, 
Big score, big score for them both. So it turns out that this bank is the same bank that Will Arnett has been working for as a consultant. So it's his job to investigate. And while he is, he finds out that there's been there's been serious embezzlement and they've been ripping off their customers for decades. And he tells this to his wife and brother and Arbley Plaza is like, I've got an idea. So it takes some convincing to get Will Arnett on board because they've got to like reveal, you know, that they're thieves, basically, and they stole a bunch of stuff. But ultimately, Will Arnett agrees, because he's like, they're corrupt, they're embezzling, they're taking money from people. And so he agrees, he's on board. And he goes to the bank executives and is like, I know what you've been doing, embezzling all this money, you've been sloppy. You've been sloppy with your paperwork, covering your tracks. I uncovered this so easily, but I can help you get away with it, so nobody will ever know. So he convinces them that they can use a company called... River Sheep Holdings, wink, wink, which he just came up with to hold the money that they've been embezzling and clean it so it won't be associated with them. And of course, the executive think their money is going to get confiscated, and this is the only way, because otherwise they'll be exposed if they don't go along with this plan, so they go with it. And the executives, Will Arnett takes them to, to the River Sheep office, and Ben has gotten a bunch of a bunch of customers that the bank has screwed over. And maybe also just some random like homeless people off the street and dress them in super nice suits and clothes. And the executives are like, well, I've never heard of this company, but look at how nice their clothes are. Clearly, they do very well here. And so they go through with it because they're impressed. And it's at this point that Will Arnett and Aubrey Plaza and Ben Schwartz just take all their embezzled money that was transferred to them to, to you know, clean, quote unquote. And they distribute it to all the people who got screwed over by the bank. Because over the course of this plan, they met all these people and they really empathized with them and it became about more than just greed. And seeing what the bank executives were doing made them realize that greed was destructive, so, so they decided to put their money to good use and start a charity giving financial help and services and also just, just giving straight-on money to people in need. And obviously the executives are not going to report it because it stole the money in the first place. So they start a charity and they all live happily ever after the end. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled Bluebeard. No, for once it seems like we might just have a story that doesn't involve a bird. Come on back next week for Bluebeard. My name is Zach Stewart and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. <laughs>